morning, everybody. We'll be uh, starting a series on James for the next few weeks. For those of you who were here last week, Steve Young started off towards the end of James from James chapter 4, but this morning we'll start right at the very beginning with James chapter 1. I'll be reading the whole chapter. Steve later on will be unpacking in more detail verses 19 through to 27. So James chapter 1, starting at verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat, and withers the plant, its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's been nice to see people continuing to trickle in um, while we've been singing and signing. So if you're visiting, um, I'm Steve, I'm the minister. I suppose I still am even if you're not visiting, but I'm saying, yeah, whatever. We're all in holiday mode, um, quite relaxed, as you can tell. And I'm guessing that some of you have been to the beach. And it's been a long time since I've made a sandcastle. We used to do that with the kids. We used to actually make a big red car as well, the Wiggles big red car. You might be familiar with that. We'd make sand towers. We'd make tunnels in the sand, all that sort of activity. It's kind of very short-sighted because none of it lasts, especially if you build below the high tide mark. You come back the next day and everything is completely wiped clean. If you wanted to build a real house, you wouldn't build on sand like that, would you? You'd build on rock. So in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says these words. He says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Those words of Jesus from Matthew 7 pretty much describe the book of James in the back of the New Testament. James is all about us putting into practice what we hear, not looking in the mirror and forgetting what we see, but putting into practice what we, what we, what we know and what we believe. James, um, I used to think he was the Nike man, the just do it. If you believe it, put it into practice. Show us what you believe by what you do. So as we dig around a bit further in James, keep these things in mind. I'm going to pray for us as we look at this part of the Bible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for giving us your word in the Bible. We thank you for showing us in the Bible who you are. Lord, thank you for showing us all you've done for us in the person of Jesus as well. Lord, thank you for the way that you've created everything, the way that you continue to look after everything. Thank you for the reminder last week that you are sovereign, you're in control. Lord, we thank you above all for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the hope of eternal life. And thank you for your love and your mercy to us. We pray that as we look at this part of your word, we pray that we would listen. We ask that you'd forgive us for the way that we tend to get distracted by everything else in this world. We ask that we would be building our life on the firm foundation of your word and not on other ideas. Please give us humility to put into practice what we hear. And please keep working in us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we can be very quick to blame other people 
can't we? We're very quick to blame other people for our own mistakes. I'm so good at it, I can do it in my sleep. Um, we had a, I think it was a men's weekend. We are in bunks in a, in a dormitory sort of situation. And I was struggling to stay asleep. There was someone in the room who was snoring. You know what it's like when you, you're half asleep, you can hear this person and you're trying to ignore it. You're trying to get back to sleep. But then gradually you start to notice that the pattern of the snoring kind of matches your breathing. And you <laughs> it's actually me. Fancy blaming someone else for keeping you awake with your own snoring. We, we do that, though, don't we? We blame other people for our own errors, our own inconsistencies. We're very quick to deceive ourselves into thinking, it's not me, it's not about me, it's somebody else. Very quick to deceive ourselves that, to think that we're not the ones who cause our own grief. So you may not have woken yourself up snoring, but you might have walked into the house, seen this trail of dirt that's been brought in from outside, brought the kids together and said, where's that come from, made them tidy up, and then realised as you put your shoes away, it was you. When we get angry, our ability to reason and our ability to listen, it goes out the window. When we get angry, we're more inclined to find fault in other people, not in ourselves. And so the instruction James gives in verse 19 of chapter 1 of James, this is not rocket science. We can recognise this. We can see it. James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, Slow to speak, slow to become angry. James 1, verse 19 to 20.1 on your sermon outline, he's saying be quick to listen, to hear. It's good advice even for people who wouldn't call themselves Christians. But James is writing to Christians. So as um, David read the passage for us, as he read from 1 verse 1, we're told James is writing to Christians. He, he talks in a funny way about them. He, he calls them the 12 tribes. I'm presuming that's because they're Jewish Christians scattered around the place. But the reason James, uh, but, but James is writing this open letter to Christians scattered everywhere and telling us how God would want us to live. The reason James says Christians should be quick to listen is because that's the way God would want us to be, you'll see in verse 20. 1 verse 20. So verse 19 goes, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Be quick to listen, because that's the way God wants you to be. Our anger doesn't bring about the righteousness, the righteous life, the good life that God wants us to live. God has standards. Well, I mean, we have standards too, don't we? If you've got kids, you have expectations of your kids. And God has expectations of us. So let's aim to live the way that God wants us to live. And that's the main push in James's letter, live how God wants you to live. James is writing to Christians scattered among the nations, 1 verse 1. This is an open letter to Christians everywhere who are willing to listen. Live in such a way that you show that you are a Christian, that you belong to God. Walk the life that God would have you walk. Don't be half-hearted. It's as if James is echoing Jesus' own words in the Sermon of the Mount. On, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Aim for that. Aim for perfection because God's perfect. As followers of Jesus, we don't want to be half-hearted. We want to be full-on in living for God. And part of being perfect is to be quick to listen and slow to become angry. Well, I think that truth is relevant 
for all of us, both men and women, I reckon there's a particular, it's particularly pertinent to the men among us. So if I can generalise, men, I think in general, we can be too quick to become angry, too slow to listen, too quick to start speaking, too quick to blame other people. We're too quick to start shouting and pointing the finger and too slow in listening. And so I'm thinking, yeah, if we want to live the kind of life God would have us live, then we need to learn to be better listeners because God doesn't want us to be hotheads. Um, let's put James, this passage on, in James just on hold for a second because I think it's an important point. Men and anger, men and self-control, the two things, they go hand in hand. And so way back in Genesis, when you look at what happens after Adam and Eve rebel against God, God says to the woman, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Rather than love our wives, our tendency, this is generalising, but our tendency is to rule over, to push them around. Both the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter pull us blokes up for the same kind of behaviour, the same sort of thing. I know we're going further from the passage in James, but just bear with me. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger and disputing. I won't try to explain the full context of that verse, but Paul's addressing men in particular. The focus is on males, men. Don't use your hands to win the argument. Pray to God instead. Don't get your hands in there and mess things around. Lift your hands up to God in prayer. 1 Timothy 2 verse 8. The Apostle Peter says a similar thing, again, to men. It's a different context. But if you look in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, you read, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. See the connection again between what you do with your hands and your prayer. He's, he's saying pray. Don't use your hands to sort everything out. Bring it to God. Pray. Pray, don't do your own thing. In other words, be gentle. Don't be hotheads. Generally speaking, men will be physically bigger and stronger than their wives. And so the Apostle Peter says, pray, don't shout. Pray, don't take things into your own hands. Both the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul tell us Christian men to be quick to listen, slow to get angry. Okay, well, back to James. James is saying in chapter 1, verses 19 to 20, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. He's not just speaking to men. I took that detour of my own accord. He's speaking to all Christians. James is expressing the general principle. He, he doesn't want us to be hotheads. He want us to be, wants us to be quick to listen, and it's something that applies to both men and women. Um, let's put things back in context with the rest of the letter. As you're reading through James, it can be hard to work out how his logic is going. He seems to jump around all over the place. In the verses just beforehand, he's been talking about suffering and temptation. In verse 13, he says, we shouldn't turn and get cranky at God when we're tempted. Don't get angry at God when things go wrong or when we're tempted or when you suffer. What I think James does is move from that specific issue of not getting angry with God to the more general issue of getting angry with other people as well. Rather than get angry, be quick to listen. Rather than start making false accusations, saying someone else is snoring in the room, 
listen. Listen to what's happening. Listen to what people are saying. And in the context of this passage, there's one particular thing to listen to. And you'll see it in verse 21 and verse 25. So verse 21, listen to the implanted word. And if you look at verse 25, listen to the perfect law that gives freedom. I think the implanted word and the perfect law that gives, I think they're the same thing. I think it's the truth about Jesus. I think it's the gospel truth and the way that it hits home for us as well. James wants us to be quick to listen to God is what he's saying. When he speaks about the implanted word and when he talks about the law that gives freedom, I think he may have something like Jeremiah in the background, the prophet Jeremiah. Um, He looked forward to the time when God would work in us and show us how to live for God, the time when God by his spirit will convict us of the truth of his word and cause us to live for him, the time when God will work on the inside, not on the outside. So Jeremiah 31 verse 33 You may be familiar with this, Jeremiah 31, 33. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. The old covenant, it was kind of impersonal. It was all about rules that were enforced with regulations and sacrifices and punishment. The new covenant is merciful. The new covenant is more personal. After Jesus' death and resurrection, God has sent his spirit to work in us and convict us of the truth of his word. He works in our heart and our mind. And so when you look in um, the Ephesians, when the apostle Paul describes the armour of God, when you look at the, um, the, the sword of the spirit, it is the word of God. God takes his word by his spirit and cuts to our heart, cuts to, through our minds. The writer of the Hebrews refers to God's word as a double-edged sword. So under the new covenant, God works in us to show us the truth of his word. He works in us to show us where we need to change and to motivate us and cause us to change by changing our conscience and so on. But James is telling us, be quick to listen to God's word. Be quick to allow God to do that in you. Be quick to want to live up to God's standards, quick to want to please God. Allow God to work in you by his spirit through his word. It it just sounds so simple, but it's harder to do, isn't it? Because although the truth of the gospel saves us, the truth of the gospel, it's hard to hear because it doesn't flatter anybody. The truth of the gospel means understanding we're sinful and that's not something we like to hear. The truth of the gospel shows us how wrong we are, shows us how immoral our natural tendencies are, shows us how much more we're inclined towards doing wrong than doing good. And so the truth of God's word doesn't flatter anybody. It's hard to hear. Yes, the gospel offers salvation, but only when you realise how much you need it. So the truth, it's not always easy to hear. Listen to how James puts it in verse 21. He puts it in terms of humbly accepting God's word. Quick to listen, humbly accepting God's word, rather than living as as if we're we're the boss of our lives. He says, put off and put on, put off the godless life, put on living for God. So verse 21, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. The gospel doesn't flatter any of us. The, The truth of the gospel shows us how deprived we are without God. The alternative to humbly trusting Uh, Humbly listening to God is, or here, to live for evil and moral filth. 
Um, we can tend to be like a man a long time ago before they had lights. He had to light his candle at night. He was hungry in the middle of the night. He lit his little candle, picked up a piece of fruit and started eating and saw there was a worm in it. So he put the fruit down and picked up another piece. There was a worm in that one too. So he blew the candle out and ate the whole lot. We're, we're kind of built like that. We, we just don't want to know how bad things can be. We prefer not knowing the truth about ourselves. Too often we prefer self-deceit, self-denial, but the gospel cuts through that, shows us who we really are. You can't hide. The gospel doesn't flatter, but it does save. We're saved by what Jesus has done for us, not by us being good, not by anything we can do for ourselves. It can be easy for us to think that we're better than we are. Self-deception um, is a serious risk. And so in the rest of the verses, James says, don't talk yourself up, just keep walking the walk. So verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Um, we have that constant tendency to self-promote, to talk down our faults, a constant bent towards convincing ourselves we're not all that bad. We hear God's word. We hear how much we need saving. We see ourselves clearly reflected in the mirror. And then we walk away and forget what we've just seen. I reckon we could solve a lot of trouble in churches and solve a lot of trouble in families if it all look a little bit harder in the mirror and think about who we really are and how much we need salvation in Jesus and not through anything we can do. We need to keep having a good long look in the mirror before we'll be willing to accept the gospel. And as a Christian, we need to keep looking at what's in the mirror and reminding ourselves of the truth of the gospel. James says, be quick to listen to the truth and keep walking in the truth rather than talking yourself up, rather than forgetting what you've seen. And I think that's the point of the rest of the passage. Just keep walking the truth. Don't worry about doing so much talking. Um, verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. He'll come back to talk about tongues again in James. It's this funny structure thing where he kind of covers everything and then comes back again. But here he's saying just a bit slow to talk. Verse 30, uh, 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. It's like he's saying, if you believe it, just show it in the way you're living. Real Christianity will show itself in actions and in deeds. If you say you trust Jesus, show it by what you do. Put your faith into practice. Jesus, he says the same thing as, I mean, James says the same thing as Jesus says to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. Show that we're followers of Jesus by the way that we live. Show that you're disciples of Jesus by your love for each other, the way you treat each other. It's too easy, I think, to become a Christian and then grow into thinking that you become better than those around you somehow. To forget what we saw in the mirror, to forget what our heart is really like, we need to remember that the gospel doesn't flatter anybody. And so James says, show what you believe by how you walk. 
and show it in practical ways. Verse 27 again, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Pretty practical. On the whole, I reckon as a church, we do pretty well at showing our faith in our actions. Um, we're very good at loving each other and caring for each, each other. I think through 2020, we saw that. The way that everyone cared for each other through COVID, and still are, um, it is encouraging. We're very good at caring for each other and encouraging each other to keep living for Jesus. We're good at um, not putting unhelpful expectations on each other, but acknowledging that we are sinful people, that we do fall short. I reckon we're good at that. I think that just about anyone who would walk into church on a Sunday will be welcomed and, and spoken to and cared for in a way that shows genuine love and concern. I don't think we're bound by tradition. That I don't think we are in a situation where we're forcing people to do particular things or inflicting rules on people. You can say all those positive things, but let's keep doing it. Let's keep in mind what we see in the mirror. Let's keep walking this way. Let's keep working even harder at showing that we are Christians by how we live. Let's keep listening to God's word and building on that firm foundation, that rock that is Jesus' word. Putting it all together, we're being told in these few verses from James to be quick to listen to the truth and to continue to walk in it. And I think the two verses to keep turning over as you go home this, today would be verses 21 and 22. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it, what it says. Let's remember that the gospel doesn't flatter anybody, but it does bring us to salvation. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know that we're not worthy to receive anything from you, but Lord, we thank you that you sent your son to save us. Lord, please continue to humble us. Please continue to show us how much we need you and how much we need forgiveness in Jesus. And Lord, please keep working in us to change us so that we do listen and put into practice what we hear in your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.